This is a very special episode of Making Conversations Count and it's in tribute to my late mother-in-law, Valerie Harris. She suffered with a very rare form of Parkinson's called PSP and whilst she continued to have her cognitive senses right up until her last breath, she was unable to communicate with us. So when I met today's guest, I knew I wanted to be able to bring this conversation to life to more people, not in just business, but personally too. Because keeping our cognitive health well will lead to longer, more productive lives. And I'm hopeful that that will also lead to a much happier existence should we each or any of us be unfortunate enough to be diagnosed with such a serious illness. In this special personal episode dedicated to my mother-in-law, please join me with Veronica Franklin Gould making conversations about brain health count. What's new Wendy Wu? Well, you may have noticed if you go back two or three shows that we've been producing some bonus content and that is only for subscribers and followers to the show. You will get a ping on a Sunday to say that that bonus content is there, especially waiting for you. Nobody else is going to get it. It's just for you. Also, we've had another review in over on Apple Podcasts. And it's from Life Chorio, I think it is, who says, great info, five stars. I love the tips and info. This show is keeping me motivated to do what I need to do to move things ahead. Well, it's so great to hear from you. And we're just really thrilled that we can keep you motivated. If there's something that you really want us to cover, please do just let us know. We have covered uh, mental wealth, menopause, and how that affects men as well as women in the workplace. Yes. These sorts of topics don't always get an awful lot of bandwidth. So when we first met Veronica, my ears pinned back because as much from a personal point of view as well is that I've got an aging mother-in-law with a very rare form of Parkinson's. Oh, it was yeah. under the Parkinson's umbrella, but it, it's hmm. it's PSP. So there's a, there's about 200,000 people diagnosed every year with this particular form. So it's quite low on the radar of priorities in the grand yeah. scheme, but it's so debilitating. But in actual fact, the only advice that was given to her was use it or lose it. Kind of what your message is all about, Veronica. So- is. I'm talking to you about arts for dementia. And if you're a busy person with a busy career and you have a parent or a parent-in-law who has dementia, the most wonderful thing you can do with them to spend your time well and her time or his time well is to take them on a fabulous arts class where you can share together an arts activity as friends rather than worrying about their condition. Because when you go over normally to see you're checking up on everything's okay at home, but actually you can have a great deal of fun together because people 
retain their creativity, their interest in life. It's only um, the means of expression that's particularly badly hit. If, for example, you're looking at a picture together, you can discuss it. You might need to give them a bit time to respond, but you can discuss it and come out with as fascinating a dialogue as ever before. You can enjoy music, you can enjoy dance together, you can enjoy out-of-the-box things together, you can go on walks together, but if you invest, let's say, the two hours of travelling to and fro and one hour activity, it is activity joyously spent and it keeps your loved one healthier and you are much more relaxed knowing that they are really benefiting from that time and really feeling that you're, they're worthwhile people and you feel that you're, you're investing joyful time together. And this can go on for very much longer. In fact, if they take up arts on a weekly basis, they can stay healthier for some three years longer by doing so. It's not just the person that's potentially suffering that's in that situation of, of having to cope with a, a medical condition that affects them physically, emotionally, mentally. It also gives a little bit of respite for the loved one or friend. You know, you can do it with a friend, you can do it with a family partner, you can do it with a paid partner. And it is much more fun to do these activities together, to go so that saves the worry about travel. But of course, now with COVID, opportunities are blended. And I think that's a really, really good idea. Because if you're joining a, a drama class or an arts class by Zoom, you can actually see each other. You're not lonely. And the course leader will be able to look directly at you through the camera's eye and you feel involved. It's actually great fun. And I suppose you can actually escort your loved one from a distance because if you can both join in. And there's a marvellous organisation called, whether it's DigiPals, um, Age UK very often can guide people into getting online because you really, really, one, one thing that's actually very important is to help people stay connected even with dementia, because that sort of feeling that you can stay in touch is so very important. And you can live full lives. It's really it beneficial. sort of makes even more sense to me to be making conversations count at any age or stage in our lives, isn't it? Yes. You know, that yes. The, the youngsters can really help and support with their knowledge of online and being able to set some of these things up. For those mm. that haven't got the knowledge as well, mm. you know, everything can be so accessible if with just a little help. And you preserve that sense of confidence and joy in mutual discovery, in mutual learning and in participation because you can help based on your character and their character, each operating independently in the same creative space, as it were. It's very, very exciting. You could be writing poetry, each of you, or together, whatever your chosen art form. And we include actually heritage and heritage visiting and all of that. It just adds an extra dimension because actually what you're doing is you're addressing those modifiable risk factors for dementia together. It's positive. And the main thing is you're helping preserve brain health. And that keeps the country younger more dynamic. If people just sit there, it's tragic. It's tragic because dementia will take over. But it's proven, isn't it, Veronica, that 
that we are living longer. So we need to make sure that when we're living, that we are truly here. Yes, well. truly living. Truly living. What led you to participate and champion this particular topic and subject? I am an art historian and I was putting on an exhibition of the poet laureate Alfred Lord Tennyson. When a cellist came to play to my mother, offered to play to my mother, he knew about a marvellous organisation called Live Music Now, and he played exquisite quality, and this is what's so important, exquisite quality Bach. And he kept eye contact, which you can do so well on Zoom. He kept eye contact, and he played Bach's cello suite number one. Bach is, of course, a a brilliant composer to, to play, although you can have any kind of music, but Bach is particularly good. And she responded. She'd had Alzheimer's for seven years or been diagnosed for seven years and was struggling to speak. She responded by interviewing him. She used to support young musicians. She interviewed him, asked him about his life as a young Russian musician studying in London. And I was so astonished by the, albeit brief, return of her communication skills that I began to research the use of arts for dementia, discovered it was used in care homes and care settings. It is, but, you know, could have even more of it. But there was nothing, really almost nothing, for somebody newly diagnosed living in the community. If you're further on, you can go to a care, a day centre. But that was really about it. And and arts organisations might scoop up very kindly a whole day centre and give them a wonderful experience. But for somebody at the beginning, you know, we had not known where to go. So we set up an early stage dementia arts learning program for arts venues across all art forms. This was inspired by the Museum of Modern Art in New York, but we we covered all art forms. But now the glorious thing is that with the introduction of NHS social prescriber link workers available to every GP, you can actually help people, actually whatever their need, but in our case, with early symptoms of dementia. So they don't have to go through that long, fearful, isolating, worrying period waiting to know whether it actually is dementia or it isn't. But they can join and be encouraged to choose local arts near to them and join them with their marvellous to do it, with a loved one or with a, with a relative who, and especially a younger relative who might worry about them or their partner, so that they can together have a wonderful time. And if they're engaged in a weekly creative activity, feeling that they are making a difference, feeling that they are working together in creative endeavour, that their thoughts are valued. If that is happening at the same time as they're taking memory assessment tests, but if this is for everybody, it's such a good, good thing. And I remember actually when I first started in 2012, which tied in with the Olympics, that was really what helped it all take off. And so we had this programme all around London, covering all the art forms around London, north, south, east and west. It was an opportunity to get young people involved and I remember that a granddaughter used to accompany her grandmother to art at Downey's Picture Gallery. And the granddaughter said, it's so lovely to come to something with my grandmother that's not looking after. It's something we can both do together. They're both creating. And it was a marvellous. It was wonderful. It's, it's very energising. It's always such a lovely atmosphere. And I remember another one, somebody brought his sister and he was had heart troubles and things. And said, I haven't come for me, I've just come for her. And in the end, his work was the work that the art teacher picked out and noticed these elements of light that he'd introduced. It's so good for everyone, it's wonderful. 
whilst we're sort of focused on the elderly or more mature people, it's something that we can get involved with at any age. Absolutely, all lifelong. I mean, particularly when you're working terribly hard and the pressure's great. I've always sung since I was in my 20s and I sang through childbirth. And actually, my daughter's got a much more beautiful voice than I have. And it does uplift you hugely. And so I think, yes, whatever is your chosen art form. Actually, we've been running a series of conferences and at which I learned that it's a really good idea to, by your 40s and 50s, to have both your work, your circle of friends, your finances and your exercise and all of that into that sort of routine going. And then you can stay really healthy if you do that in your 40s and just keep it going. Obviously, we should do it earlier, but, you know, let's say when one starts to need a little bit of exercise even more, to keep it going. And it actually makes you feel exhilarated if you do. I remember singing when I was younger and, it's, and through my school days and um, probably more in, in my sort of young adult life on the dance floor along. To- oh, oh, yes. <laughs> so, yes. I love the tunes. Um, yeah. There is a real uplifting feeling when you sing. And we watch shows on the television like Britain's Got Talent and X Factor, anything like that. When there's a choir that comes on, mm-hmm. I, I don't know why it is, but that, that connection of a group of people. It is a group, isn't it? The art form most effective in keeping the demons at bay, protecting against dementia, is dance. Because you have music, you have movement as well. And if you ring the changes, now you were talking and actually brought alive my delicious fun in youth because I used to dance until I don't know, early hours. And I think whatever the dance is, learning a new dance is a good thing at any age, even with dementia, you are keeping your brain active and having a lot of fun while you're doing it. But it's always good to keep learning. And if you have got, or your loved one has got dementia, and let's say it's your parents, for example, if the art workshop leader is giving, gives homework for them to practice in between sessions, that is really good because if people are worrying about something, where they've put something, perhaps if it's been te- thinking, fearing it might be being taken and all those things that one gets a little bit over-anxious about. If you can then draw each other or dance the dance step or um, practice an instrument or play the guitar or whatever it is, keeping on going, that keeps the interest alive, the interest in the course that you're doing, the lovely group that you're with, who you're bouncing ideas off. And at the same time, it's overriding whatever stresses you're facing. And it brings you a sense of the social group, even if you're not with them, but you're preparing for them. And that's a lovely thing to do. It's likely that you're going to make and form new friendships where yes. you perhaps least expect it as well, that, because that, the, the conversation, there will be some common ground as to why you are there. Absolutely. It's a very good opportunity too for people who are, might be accompanying a loved one to you know pick up tips, because it is a, obviously you don't want to talk in front of your the person who is affected too much, unless they're absolutely in with the conversation, in which case that is good. They are completely involved and also are aware of what's going on. I mean, I remember saying to my mother, mindful that it was seven years after her diagnosis that I, I started researching and then some more years before we got real all, all that evidence. And I remember saying to her, I am so sorry, I realise you're thinking and feeling as you used to do, but you can't express it. And her face went into a, a sort of radiant expression that somebody understood. 
because a lot of people talk in a very patronizing way yeah. or simplistic. I mean, there's a different way between articulating clearly and being simplistic and patronizing. And, and it really, that is one of the, one of the most important things. I think you're right that often the respect for their maturity and experience is lost because the regression physically Mm. is Mm. sort of translated to the point where you treat them like children that don't understand. I've seen in settings these wonderful people who've perhaps got so many stories to tell us, they're just not even given any explanation as to why they're kind of being pushed away as though they have no further benefit. Yeah. I mean, I remember accompanying my mother to a lunch given by her friends who talked only to me, and that was just heartbreaking. Mm. Absolutely. It was her friends not talking to her, talking to her young daughter. Yes. And I think to bring everybody into the conversation, well, mum's here. Yes. The person who has dementia, has lived a full life. They are not fools. They have lived full lives. And um, it's and they're also capable of teaching. So if you go to one of these events, participants can co-curate and can guide because their own experiences. In fact, what we had one very interesting, that we were having a music partnership with English Chamber Orchestra, whose residency was with the London College of Music students. We had uh, somebody with a young onset dementia who was was about 60 or just under 60 and he had come because he was beginning to struggle with uh, sequencing of notes because apparently brass players when they're playing they read the whole paragraph rather than just the sentence he come to try and work that out and it was very interesting because he was explaining to the members of the orchestra who were who'd had some training with us and were part of this course and they were each putting each other in the same position, which was fascinating, trying to work it out. And this sort of, you know, uh, researching together and playing at the same time was fascinating, absolutely fascinating. And I made sure that group that we had a composition student as well, because one fellow who had early onset Alzheimer's brought in an Indian harmonium, which was an improvisational instrument. Anyway, but he was playing a tune that he'd, uh, his father had kn- he'd known through his father. And then the orchestra began to improvise around him. And then the composition student arranged it all. And then the tenor horn player who'd come in performed it. It was absolutely fascinating. Fascinating. Do you also see evidence that lost skills can sometimes present themselves? Because, we're, yes, you know, we're busy. I played instruments at school. And I don't know what it was. It was my youngest daughter had got the flute and the recorder at primary school. So we're talking some 30-ish years later. And I'm going, oh, no, no, you need to do this and reading music. And I was like, no, that's this note and that you're playing this note. And I'd forgotten that I knew that. I had forgotten that I had learned that. Wonderful. Came back so quickly. Yeah. There must be other instances where that, you've seen that happen. They often explain dementia as a, like a bookcase with the newest books on top and the newest books fall off first and the ones that have been there for a long time stay. But what was interesting was that, so therefore, yes, early skills stay, but hardwired skills stay. But what was um, very interesting is that we had a participant who'd been diagnosed after a stroke with vascular dementia 
she lost her the ability to read and her memory. And anyway, she took up art. She was already involved with art when she came to our drama group. And after the year later, when I was researching back and, and I said, do you mind very much if I ask you about your diagnosis? It was expecting her friend to answer. And she said, oh, my dear, they've changed my diagnosis. I, my memory's come back. I can read now. And this is after a year of art and drama. They're now putting it down to stroke damage. But she had a definite vascular dementia diagnosis. And so obviously it was stroke damage and not, not dementia, but the skills came back through engaging. Kind of muscle memory. You'll lose it or whatever. you use it or lose it. And it was definitely that. And it came back and it was um, terribly thrilling. So our next uh, webinar will actually be on drama. It's terribly engaging because if people are, let's say, political and there's so much to talk about, isn't there? And create scenarios. <laughs> they are really engaging their mind. And it's something you can do in the week without all your friends and then come back to your friends and then got really an idea, although you can do it spontaneously. Too. Improvisation is very good for dementia. And of course, you could do that with or without being affected. We used to have a, a group with the Angel Community Canal Boat in Islington. And first of all, we did art and then people will shut their eyes and did some drawing exercises or do in the dark all in the same boat because you couldn't see and then of course lovely artists came out of the canal but the, the one actually that was most effective i think was we had opera aboard the angel canal boat and with the opera singing arias in the dark as the long dark tunnel as the sound of lapping water and this beautiful aria we were all the same as we listened, it was just magical. Then up with the, the lovely op young opera singer who was taking credit, you know, we'd all start singing opera choruses, you know, all together. And it was very jolly. It really was. <laughs> Being in that negative position, listening positively. Yes. Together. And I, I'm a, a big one for seeing a negative and flipping it mm. in, in all oh. things that we do. I'm 50. What sort of things should I be doing to keep my brain healthy? Singing and dancing. Okay. I would go first. And then fresh air. Fresh air. I mean, there's often getting on these lovely walks or heritage visits. Fresh air is, is also very, very important. I mean, I expect you do the gym as well. Personally, I'm a swimmer. Oh, are you? I'm a swimmer too. It's kind of a meditative free freedom that I find. All my tangled thoughts that I can't quite figure out. Just seem to just very good, isn't it? But what's difficult is when you're swimming up and down, you've got this brilliant thought, and you've got to wait till you get out to write it down. <laughs> yes, that's where you repeat it, and then yes. you stop counting how many laps you've done. No, it's brilliant. It suddenly makes. But I have been thinking because I'm a wee bit older, rather a lot older, and I've been thinking. And so when I'm swimming along, thinking about these wonderful ideas, and then. I suddenly think, oh, I must swim a bit harder. There's marvellous man, Samuel Gray, of Optimal Ageing at, at Oxford. And he, he's often on those monitors in, in the GP surgery or online saying how important it is to take a bit of exercise on the spot every now and again. You're sitting at your desk, taking a bit of exercise on the spot. But if you want to do the social type, it's good to do it in groups. So join a choir, join a society of whatever interests you most and go to that. And it's to keep your interests. Keep your imagination engaged as well as physical and fresh air. Yes, there's, there's, there's something to be said for solitude in, in the right moments. But yes, to feel connected has got to be 
important now as more than ever, isn't it? It's really mm. Yes, mm. I agree. Let me tell you about my Power Up programme. An hour and a half with me and accountability later. It's by no means ever going to fix everything. But what it will do is it will allow us to find one area that's a key priority for you to implement straight away into your business and allow you to just see the other areas that you need work on. It's a great stepping stone into the 12-week building block programme. Just book a chin wag. Let's have a natter and let's see how I can help you. Thank you so much for coming and sharing all about what you do and how you've been able to sort of identify as something that's important for us all to do. Now, I ask every guest to think of a conversation that created a turning point for them. This was the cello player. The moment he came and played and my mother, who was struggling to speak, began to speak fluently. It was extraordinary. That moment when he was playing Bach's cello suite number one and he looked into her eyes throughout. When they stopped for tea, she began to talk. That was remarkable, so remarkable that I dropped my art history and began to research the use of arts for people with dementia. That's a massive turning point, isn't it? To have witnessed that, because somebody could have told you that that happened and you'd have maybe been a bit of a doubting Thomas over it and gone, no, no, that couldn't have been possible. You're exaggerating, but to have been born witness must have it been extraordinary, magical. Well, and then I suppose the other thing has been uh, when the NHS announced that they were going to bring in social prescribers, link workers for, available for every GP, I suddenly saw how you could bridge that terrible gap, the fear-filled, um, isolating period when people are waiting for a memory assessment. Mm-hmm. And I suddenly saw how you could bring people in and engage in the arts And so that if they were engaged in a lovely group when memory assessment came and then dementia, they know that despite dementia, they can still continue to play a full part in the community, that that diagnosis wasn't sudden. It had come, but they continued to act. Not an end, is it? Yes. It's been absolutely wonderful to speak to you, Veronica. Listeners may want to keep in touch with you and find out more about, you know, the work that you're doing and how they may be able to help or get involved. What is the best way for them to do that? And of course, we'll put it all in the show notes and things as well. But the best way is to get in touch with Arts for Dementia, Arts with Figure 4. And if people are also putting on activities, to signpost those activities so that others can find them also on Arts for Dementia. I'm Veronica Arts, but I think the most useful is Arts for Dementia. They're doing a, a very grand job and can help so many people and love to hear from you, from everybody, as to more activities. But the charity signpost nationwide by postcode and by art form for brain health as well as for dementia need. So it, it, hopefully it's all there. Fantastic. Oh, thank you so much, Veronica. It's been an absolute pleasure to chat with you. Thank you. It's gorgeous to meet you. And um, thank you very much for the opportunity to talk and share. 
So there you have it. Whilst it's not a how to do things in your business, it is a conversation on how to protect you in your business longer term. I love music. I love dancing. And I love to have a little scribble and do a jigsaw next time on the show. I think that's a pivotal moment because that little, little thing of just being curious changes the mindset of, oh, I got to talk to this person. I don't know. Oh. Oh.